Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Krista. And you're listening to Practical Prepping Quick Tips. In the book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People, you'll find out how to build a go bag, how to prep for your pets, how to make an emergency plan, how to be prepping for your automobile, two-way communications, an EDC or everyday carry bag, and small kits that you can build. These are just but a few of the topics covered in Practical Prepping for Everyday People. Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This book is available on our website and on Amazon. Whether you chop it down yourself, pick it out of a lot, or pull it out of a box, you may be putting up a Christmas tree because it's that most wonderful time of the year. It's time to put up the tree and decorate and enjoy the beautiful lights and ornaments of the Christmas tree. But you know, we need to be safe when we're enjoying our season. We're going to be talking about Christmas tree safety tips. We've got this divided into two categories. One is all trees and then live trees. Now, there's nothing like a live tree. I love them. Grew up with them. The fragrance is outstanding. I grew up with an unusual Christmas tree for most folks. Hmm. We grew up using cedar trees. Yeah, I know. I was really flabbergasted when you told me because... I don't view a cedar tree as having your classic Christmas tree shape. Well, we didn't have the fir trees. You could have a cedar tree, you could have a pine tree, Uh, or you could have a hardwood. I see. And so you could have cedar tree, pine tree, or the little one that used to be on Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah, the little Norwegian fir. Those were the options, but we would go and cut it, and we had a pasture full of them. They Mm -hmm. were all along the fence lines and such. But there's some things that we need to keep in mind for all trees. And we'll start with keeping the trees away from the heat source. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks have a freestanding heater in the room, or they may have a fireplace or some sort of device that's putting heat in the air. And the introduction of a tree into your room changes a lot of the scope and the usage of that room. You've got to be very careful where you put that tree. And some folks will have them close to where they have candles on a bookcase or something Mm -hmm. like that. So we want to stay away from any kind of heat source, even the TV. And it's possible that the back of the TV could create a heat source, especially in older televisions. So what do you recommend, about a three-foot gap? About a three-foot yeah. is what I found that most folks are recommending away from the heat source. Another thing you want to keep in mind for all trees, and that is that you have a sturdy stand to keep that tree upright. And the larger the tree, I would say if you're getting to the nine-foot-plus height, you may want to think about some anchoring onto a window frame mm-hmm. or something like that because... You may have, like at our house, we've got a couple of cats that are going to jump up into the tree and climb all the way to the top. We don't want our tree falling over. Yeah, cats and kids will climb trees, Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that stand is sturdy. Now, when you get up into that large of a tree, nine foot and above, they make a much wider stand. Yes, they do. Now, one thing that we used to do when our youngest was at home and was a couple of years old, I would actually bring some, they they were, we call them cap blocks. They're concrete blocks. They're not the ones with the holes in them, but they're the ones that go on top of the wall. I see. I would put one of those on each of the three stand uh, legs that were coming out. 
so that she had difficulty pulling that over. So that anchored it down very nicely. It anchored nicely. it over down because you do not want them to pull that tree over on them. And if you have cats, you may come home and find your tree pulled over if you haven't anchored it. Exactly. Another thing to keep in mind is the strings of lights, they have a plug-in end, and then they have a a receptacle end that you can plug in another strand. Mm -hmm. And the recommendation is no more than three strands of light at any given time. In other words, don't be plugging six, eight, ten, twelve strands together. Right, and don't plug three strands together and plug each of those three strands into a single extension cord. You don't really want more than three strands on one extension cord because it overloads the cord. Yeah, those extension cords do have a maximum usage, and you can... It's an amperage rating. It's an amperage rating, and you'll know if you, you know, pop out all the lights and Mm -hmm. they all go out, you've hit that limit and gone beyond. And if it goes over, you can melt that electrical cord. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons you don't want to put that cord under rugs or carpet. Because if it gets overheated... It has something there that it can catch on fire. Now, this next one that you had researched, I was a little surprised because I hadn't really thought about this. But we do have some listeners that are going to use a metal tree. Mm-hmm. It might be white or silver or possibly green. or in, Some of them now are teal and purple and orange and yellow. But it's fully metal. And the recommendation there is to not use an electric light on a metal tree. And why is that? If you get a short in the lights, then you can energize the entire tree. And if you touch that tree, you can get shocked or electrocuted. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Every aspect of it is metal, so that's a perfect conductor. Growing up, I remember my aunt had a metal white tree. And sitting back about six or eight feet from it was a spotlight with rotating four colors. Oh, yes. So Mm -hmm. it would change colors, but she never put lights on the tree itself. I see. It's a safety safety. issue. Now, here's one that a lot of folks don't do, but we all need to be in the habit, and that's shutting off the lights overnight or when we are awake. Yeah, I know a lot of folks get very tempted to love the beauty of that tree and feel like well it's safe and it doesn't feel hot i'm just going to plug it in and let them shine all night and all day forever and forever especially if it's visible from the street through a big window i mean they're pretty They're, they're pretty to drive down the road and look at but it's not safe to leave them on if they're unattended, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. Exactly. I mean, and some people will be leaving for vacation. Mm-hmm. So don't leave the lit tree. To, you think it gives the impression you're at home when you obviously are not. Home. Right. And never decorate your trees with lit candles. Yeah. Now, this was an old, what, 17th, 18th century. Well, before electricity, they actually mm-hmm. did wire little candle holders mm-hmm. to the tree. I mean, a lit flame. And, of course, that didn't work out well all the time so not really we don't want to go vintage that way now it's okay to use electric candles on there but don't leave those unattended either exactly now let's talk a bit about live trees yeah because that's an entirely different kind of tree maintenance because a live tree still drinks water and still needs to so thinking about i have some friends that every Black Friday, their tradition is to drive up into the North Carolina mountains where they live in North Carolina, and they go and select a tree that they cut themselves, and then they have it wrapped up and put on the car and bring it back home. Well, cutting it yourself is the way to get the freshest tree possible. Exactly, because it has not been previously cut and left out to weather. Mm -hmm. 
And, it, you know, you go to these tree farms and it's a lot of family fun. But even if you don't cut it yourself or get one from a tree farm, choose the freshest possible tree you can, not a dry one. And there's some ways to be able to tell. Mm -hmm. If you can easily bend the branches and they don't crack or break, it's a pretty fresh tree. It's well hydrated. If you see that there's some sap on the lower trunk area, that indicates that that was a pretty fresh tree. And I'll tell you, too, that another way to tell if the tree is well hydrated is to lift it up and then tamp it down on the trunk and then see how many needles, if any, fall off. I remember a movie that the guy was trying to sell a tree and said, here's a great one. He does that yeah. on the ground and it's just about half of them fall off and he <laughs> throws it over and gets another one. Said, here's a great tree. But so that is a, a good way to It's tell. a good way to do mm -hmm. that because the less that fall off, the better. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do get a tree from a tree lot, make a fresh cut on the bottom. Right. Cut off an inch or two. Make a fresh cut so that it is better able to absorb water. And also check for inhabitants. They were talking about this on the radio the other day. The question went out, have you ever purchased a live tree and got it into your house and then only realized there was something living in there, like a squirrel or a bird or something like that? There's that scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where the squirrel comes flying out of that enormous tree that they bring in and... So, yeah, definitely check for any kind of critters, mm -hmm. uh, bugs or whatever, you know, that might be alive in that tree. And make sure they don't come in the house. And keep a continuous supply of water in the stand. I did some research on that. They said you want to measure the diameter of the trunk. For example, if the trunk of your Christmas tree at its widest part is three inches around, then that's one quart per inch of diameter. So it needs to have three quarts of water every single day. That's a lot of water. And make sure, too, that you're checking that because if you've got dogs or cats, they may be drinking some of mm -hmm. that water, and that's going to deprive your tree. You just want to make sure that thing stays with plenty of water in it. And you also want to use low-energy lights that don't get hot. Yeah, and those little small bulbs are, the, are probably best because you can hold them in your hand and they're not hot. Now, when the tree gets dry... And it's going to, eventually, no matter how much you water it, it's going to get dry. Discard it outside the house. Don't put it in the garage. Don't put it right up next to the house because it's a fire hazard. And you really shouldn't be any longer than four weeks with a live tree in the house. I see. Right. And you can check with local authorities on the proper disposal. A lot of times cities will... Say, put your tree on the road and we'll pick it up on given days. There are recycling places where they chip these things up. And if you know someone with a lake, they may want to sink that tree into the lake for fish habitat. It just becomes part of the lake or the river system and it does form a nice habitat. I'm going to let you address this one because you've done the most research on that. And that's some tips for keeping the cats out of the Christmas tree. This is something that I learned a few years ago about what are some safe ways to repel, particularly a cat. They're harder to keep out of a tree even than a dog. And I They learned, hate Christmas trees. I think they love them. They, I, they want to destroy them. <laughs> well, they, they want to play. It just yes. looks like they're... See, we put the ornaments on there, and they don't know and care about ornaments. But anyway... How do you keep a cat from being that interested in the tree? And I have learned that you can make a cinnamon essential oil and water solution. 
get a spray bottle, let's say it's a quart spray bottle, and I'll fill it almost full with water and just put in about 10 drops of essential cinnamon oil. And cinnamon seems to be the most uh, effective for what we're ex- about to explain. And then very lightly, about 8 to 10 inches away from each bottom branch, spritz it just very lightly with some of that essential cinnamon oil and water mixture and allow it to dry. And actually, it smells wonderful because it mixes with the balsam fir evergreen scent, and it's very Christmassy smelling. But for some reason, cats are very repelled by the scent of cinnamon, particularly in that strength. You may have to reapply it. You've got to be very careful. I like to respray it when all the lights on the tree are off, even though they're not hot. I don't want to take a chance, you know, of of cracking a little bulb or something like that. So you may want to reapply that pretty much on the underside and the lowest row of branches around because that's kind of where your cat's going to be approaching the tree, you know, from the floor area. And a lot of times when they smell that cinnamon, they're going to lose a lot of interest in the tree. So I have found that to be a very non-poisonous, non-toxic way to repel them away from the Christmas tree. So we want you to enjoy the lovely branches of your beautiful Christmas tree, whether it's an artificial one, whether it's a traditional color, whether it's a live one. Any tree that you love, that you enjoy, we hope that it's just the most beautiful and most gorgeous tree you've ever seen this year. And we want you to stay prepared and make sure that you have made the proper arrangements to keep the live tree well hydrated and safe and to keep the artificial tree away from any type of a live heat source like a candle or a room heater, or even the back of a television. We want you to be very, very careful about that because things can happen, and we want you to stay holiday prepared. We'll see you next time.